Good morning. Uh, what a great song. Thanks, Kat, for sharing that with us. At the end of, uh, we're almost at the end of the COVID period now. Uh, <clears throat> I guess we don't know what will happen into the coming year, but uh, as we've come through this year, uh, what a great hymn to encourage our hearts. It is well. It is well with my soul. Despite everything that happens around about us, we can have that confidence. Now, I must say that I was a bit surprised, Graham, when you asked me to speak at the seniors' uh, morning. I thought that was a bit rude, really, because I thought, well, I'm not senior. And then I got to think about it and thought, well, maybe I am. But um, one of the benefits, of course, of being senior, for all of you who are watching that are younger, you don't get a seniors' card. If you've got a seniors' card, you'd be amazing the discounts you can get. So that's one plus. Um, yeah, negative, of course, is you don't have quite as long to live as the younger ones, but uh, it's been good to share together today. And um, I started to think about all of the seniors that were in the Bible, and I recalled that there are quite a lot. So I thought I might um, talk about and think about some of those today. And uh, uh, Noel read to us from Hebrews 10, a great chapter and a call to perseverance in those verses, and a challenge to consider how that we might uh, love one another, how we might encourage one another towards uh, a love and good good works together. Now, we'll come back and we'll talk about that a little bit later in the service. I want to tell you about um, uh, Gabriel Anderson Shields. Uh, 14 minutes into the 1984 uh, Olympic marathon, Joan Benoit uh, began to pull away from the rest of the pack and she went on to win the marathon in an, uh, 2 hours, 24 minutes and 52 seconds. Uh, with temperatures hitting nearly 30 degrees Celsius, the conditions were very warm for running a full marathon of 42 kilometres. At the time, the rules stipulated that there could only be uh, five water stations and the contestants could not have water from any other source. Unfortunately for Gabriel Anderson Schultz, she missed the fifth and last station and she became very dehydrated. The crowd gasped as she staggered onto the track, her torso twisted, her arms limp, her right leg mostly seized. She waved away any medical personnel who rushed to help her, knowing that if she was touched by anybody, she'd be disqualified. And while the effects of the heat exhaustion were evident, uh, trackside the medics saw that she was still perspiring and that meant that her body still had some f disposable fluids and they allowed her to continue. Uh, while the... Um, uh, at the LA Coliseum, the crowd applauded as she limped around the track for the last 400 metres, uh, occasionally stopping, holding her head. Her entrance to the Olympic Stadium and the struggle over those last 400 metres, which took uh, five minutes and 44 uh, seconds to complete, made for a very memorable finish to that Olympic marathon. She finished 37th out of 44 in an hour of, in a time of two hours, 48 minutes and 42 seconds. So well be, uh, behind the winner. 
now, another, I looked at a couple of Olympic uh, marathon um, challenges uh, while I was thinking about this, and another impressive Olympic moment was John Akariah uh, when he competed while competing in the Olympic marathon in Mexico City in 1968, Akariah from Tanzania cramped up due to the high altitude of the city. He'd not trained in an altitude like that in his own country. At the 19-kilometre point during the 42-kilometre race, there was jockeying for positions. Some runners were hit and he was hit and fell. He fell badly, wounding his knee, dislocating that joint, plus the shoulder. his shoulder hit hard against the footpath. He, however, continued running, finishing last among 57 competitors who completed the, the race. 75 had started. The winning, winner of the marathon, uh, Mamo Waldi from Ethiopia, finished in 2 hours 20 minutes 22 seconds, but Akariah finished in 3 hours 25 um, minutes. And there were only a few thousand people left in the stadium and the sun had begun to set. I think those who are older will have remembered some of these events by watching the Olympics. Uh, a television crew was sent out uh, from the medal sem- uh, ceremony when word was received that there was one runner still to finish. As he finally crossed the finish line, cheers came from the small crowd. And the interviewer later, uh, when interviewed later and asked why did he continue running, he said... My country did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race. My country sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. Uh, Pretty profound when you think about it and very apt for us, I think, as God's people. Finishing well is really important in the Christian life. Just two weeks ago, I took part in a special uh, funeral service in Ballarat for a friend, George Albert Polonjo, 103 years of age. And when he died, uh, or he was 103 when he died, and he'd run his Christian race for around 95 years. That's amazing, isn't it? 95 years, George stayed in the race, stayed true to the faith, and uh, even at the very end, he was still very outspoken, very quick to give a word in the nursing home where he was um, uh, living in the last 18 months or so of his life. He said to me, well, Lee, of course, he said, they've asked me to give uh, grace at the table. So he said, that's my job, morning, dinner and evening. I say grace for the residents. Uh, 103, still running in the race Uh, that's a great challenge to all of us. What motivates people to stay in the race all those years? The writer to the Hebrews in uh, chapter 10, uh, chapter 12 rather, in verse 1 to 3, uh, gives us a little insight. He says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. Do you believe that God has a plan for your life today? Uh, As I reminded myself of some of the Old Testament seniors, I I was reminded again that God certainly does have a plan and uh, COVID-19 or anything else won't 
stop the fulfilment of that plan. Now, I want to just uh, remind you about some of the well-known Old Testament people and uh, some of the things that God did in their lives. Sarah was childless uh, until she was 90 years of age. God promised Abram uh, that she would be the mother of nations in Genesis 17 and that she would conceive and bear a son. Now, Sarah didn't believe, actually, and she laughed. But Isaac, born to Sarah and Abraham in their old age, was the fulfilment of God's promise to them. And right after Eve, the next woman in the Bible that's mentioned is Sarah. And she played an important role in the history of salvation, even though she initially doubted that God could achieve what he'd said But 90 years of age, she becomes a mum. I can assure you, only God can do that. Now, Abram was in Haram at age 75 when he got the call from God to leave his home and his family behind and follow God into a strange land that he would give him. And he was a 100 years old when Isaac was born. It's recorded uh, of Abraham in Hebrews 11 that by faith Abraham, when he called to a place that he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. Now don't lose sight of those last few words. He did not know where he was going. Uh, Abraham trusted God's plan in life for him And he went not knowing what the outcome would be. Going but not knowing. It's not easy when God calls us in that way. But God called Abram, he trusted, he went, and uh, great blessing came. Now you may wonder what God has been doing in uh, this past year and why the world has been brought to its knees by COVID-19. But like Abraham, you too can trust God even when the world around us seems out of control or when you're not quite sure uh, and don't know exactly how things will work out. In Genesis 6 and 7, you read about Noah. Now, uh, don't ever think that God is finished with you when you consider Noah. He was around 530 years of age when God called him to build the ark. Now, imagine the jokes made at Noah's expense. What are you doing, Noah? I'm building an ark. Yeah, but there's no water, Noah. I don't worry about that. God's got that all in the plan. Uh, We sometimes think that God's plan doesn't seem like it'll work out and we wonder how it can all come together. But uh, just like Noah, he trusted, he did, and uh, we know that... uh, In chapter 7, verse 6 of Genesis, it says that he was 600 years old when the flood came. Now, we don't live as long in the uh, modern world that we live in, but um, uh, certainly God has a plan for all of us. And the thing that uh, I get from thinking about these people is that while God has left us on this earth, he still has work for us to do. As whether we're younger or older, God hasn't finished with us because we're here. If we were not here, if if the work was finished, he would take us home. George, why did he leave George to 103 years of age? I don't know. 
But God chose to do that. There was still work for him to do in terms of God's kingdom, and then God took him. Uh, one of my favourite stories uh, is the story of Joseph, recorded in Genesis uh, 37, uh, chapter 37 through to about chapter 50. Now, although it starts long before Joseph was a senior, he did become old. Um, now, Joseph was 17 years of age when he had two dreams that angered his brother and that set in motion his sale as a, as a slave, which eventually took him to Egypt. He was sold down there to Potiphar, and uh, as a servant in his household, he was wrongly accused of rape. Now, wrongly convicted, he ends up in prison, where his leadership skills have him placed in charge of all the other prisoners, and he interprets two dreams while he's in prison. And one of those dreams was for Pharaoh's cupbearer, who'd been banished to prison, who was uh, uh, had fallen out of sorts. Now, events, uh, after the interpretation of that dream for the cupbearer came true, uh, uh, the cupbearer was released and restored back into Pharaoh's household, but sadly very quickly forgot Joshua, uh, Joseph. And uh, in life, isn't that uh, often the way people forget? We've heard the stories today, Mari's journey, uh, Barbara's journey, and sometimes we think, you know, I wonder what they've done with their life. And I, I like it at funerals when you hear the eulogy of people's lives. I, I sometimes think it would be much better if we heard those while the people were alive because uh, it's amazing sometimes when you find out what people have done. Um, and uh, the cupbearer who uh, Joseph helped just forgot about him and so Joseph languished off in prison for quite a long time but eventually Joseph is called to interpret another troubling dream the dream that Pharaoh has and uh, when he correctly interprets the dream he's actually elevated to a position of being second in charge to the Pharaoh in Egypt very he becomes a very important man now, years pass, and because of the widespread famine, Joseph's family came down to Egypt seeking help. They didn't, uh, they didn't recognise Joseph, but he recognised them. And uh, he set about uh, a series of things to see whether his brothers had actually changed. Uh, and in Genesis 45, he reveals himself to his brothers who are right to think that they were in serious trouble. Uh, he is second in charge of the land, could have easily had them executed. Uh, but we don't see that that's what took place. In fact, uh, Joseph displays his trust in God. All of the, all of the years and journey of Joseph's life and all of the, uh, of the injustice that he endured and yet here at this time when he could have taken revenge, he doesn't do that. He, he simply um, gives his brothers an opportunity to show that they'd changed. And uh, he says to them, look, despite all that had happened to him and what they had done, um, uh, Joseph assured them that they had planned it for evil, but God in the master plan had planned it for their good and ultimately for their salvation. Uh, and he could clearly see uh, God's hand at work. Well, 
Joseph assured them uh, that the plan God had was a plan for good. And why am I telling you such a well-known story? Well, firstly, because I I think it's quite incredible. Uh, It helps us to realise that God is in control... pardon me, uh, is always in control, even when we don't clearly see what's happening in life's journey. Uh, And in Joseph's life, all through the ups and downs of that experience, God ultimately was still in control. And secondly, because it amazes me that one of the things that Joseph asked for at the end of his life when he was old was that his bones would be taken to the promised land. Uh, when eventually the children of Israel would be released from bondage. So in Genesis 50 and verse 24, we read this. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will surely come to your aid and take you out of this land and to a land that he promised on oath to Abram, Isaac and Jacob. And verse 25 says, And Joseph made the sons of Israel swear on oath and said, God will surely come to your aid, then you must carry my bones from this place. Well, hundreds of years after Joseph's death, his bones were finally laid to rest in Shechem. To get the sequel, you have to go over to Joshua chapter 24 and verse 32, and this is what it says. And Joseph's bones, which the Israelites had brought up from Egypt, were buried in Shechem in a tract of land that Jacob had bought for a hundred pieces of silver from the sons of Hamar, uh, the son of the father of Shechem. Now, <clears throat> I just was thinking a bit about what the discussion must have been like for the Israelites carrying that box of bones of Joseph, not for just a few days, but for hundreds and hundreds of years. They carried those bones through the exodus from Egypt, through the wanderings in the wilderness, through the involvement into the taking of the promised land. All of those years they carried those bones. What's in the box? (laughs) That's Joseph. What are you going to do with that? Uh, We're going to bury it when we get into the promised land. Hundreds and hundreds of years after, Joseph made that request of his brothers. God had been faithful to those children of Israel and had taken them on that massive journey to the point where Joshua was, a, a, a Joseph rather, was eventually laid to rest in the promised land, the fulfilment of God's promise. Hundreds of years they held on to a promise that God would give them a land. Now, that's a long time to hang on to a promise. It's a long time to be faithful and wait for God to fulfill what he has said. And that's why we need the storytellers. We have in our church some older people. And it's great to hear the stories of God's faithfulness, of the journey that God has taken them on, because it's the storytelling that helps pass our Christian heritage from one generation to another. And and we learn from everybody. Everybody has something that is valuable to contribute and some experience that makes us as a congregation richer 
So for those who uh, are on the journey a little further down the track than me, I want to say to you today that, that God, has, as, as he has unraveled his plan in your life over many, many years, um, be blessed and encouraged today. And we want the contribution of, of that journey that you have had. Uh, we want to know about that and enjoy it here in the church because it brings with it uh, so much value and encouragement to us. Do you have something that you've been hanging on to today, perhaps waiting to see God work out a plan in your life? And maybe it's an answer to prayer that you've been praying for many, many years. Be patient. God doesn't take us on a journey uh, without any <clears throat> promise of fulfilling his promises and blessings to us. And maybe um, we've been asking him to intervene in some difficult situation. Trust God afresh today. He is the same God that worked in these Old Testament people that we've thought about this morning, and he is the same God that is at work with us today. Now, it's been an unusual year. COVID-19 has changed many things. But through it all, God is still on the throne. He is still in control. He still has a plan for his people and a plan for your life. Why? Because he loves you. Why? Because you're special to him. And God intends to fulfill those plans. So I want to finish this morning where I started, back in Hebrews 10, uh, and the verses that Noel read to us. Uh, and in those verses, verse 10 and verse 22, um, there are five little things I want you to take with you as we finish, and it's the let us, uh, let us. You note there are five of them recorded here, and they're an encouragement. Uh, firstly, in verse 22, it says, let us draw near to God with a, a full, uh, with a, a sincere heart in full assurance, assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Uh, let us draw near to God. Now, PC reminded us through the communion this morning, we are nothing outside of what God has done in our lives. We have nothing. We can bring nothing to this journey, but God has done it all for us. And, and, and so let us draw near as God's people today with full assurance that we are accepted and God sees us through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ today. We are, we have been made clean in his sight. What a wonderful thing. What a great blessing. And then he says in verse 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. Why? Because he who promised is faithful. Now Joseph said, don't leave, don't bury me here in Egypt. Take me into the promised land. And it took hundreds of years for that promise to finally be fulfilled. But God fulfilled the promise. Absolutely. So hold unswervingly. P 
people of Montmorency Community Church to the hope that we have that our God is in control and one day he will return, one day Jesus will come again, one day we will be with him in heaven, but today we are together as a congregation here as Montmorency Community Church. But hold on to the hope of what the future is for us. And verse 24 says, Let us consider how we might spur one another on towards love and good deed. Now, we can spur one another on. We're good at doing that, but it's not always uh, to love and good deed. Uh, Let us make an effort to spur one another on as we interact and particularly as we come back together as a fellowship towards uh, being... uh, Uh, the best that we can be as God's people in this community, that we will be salt and light in the community of Montmorency and Greensboro, uh, where God has placed us. At verse 25 says, let us not give up meeting together. Now, I think that's a very relevant uh, exhortation to us today because I suspect the easy thing for some people will be that these Zoom, uh, uh, these uh, uh, YouTube-type clips that we've been doing the uh, live streaming on, it's easy to do church that way, very easy. Uh, But this exhortation is let us not um, give up meeting together as some people in, in the this time of the writing of the Hebrews was were doing, but it says, let us encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching, the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. So maybe as we go into the week ahead, let's do it with a full assurance that God is with us and that uh, actively we can seek ways to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. May God bless you. Uh, Graham's going to return and close our service and I trust that uh, you will be encouraged to, uh, to keep on in the race before us.